You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And now, So great to have you here on If You Don't Like That. Very excited for my guest today. He is a household name among NFL fans. That's coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Locally owned for over 20 years, New Works has a fix for you. And if you happen to have an emergency in the middle of the night, no problem. New Works will be there for you with their 24-7 service. Just go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. New Works Plumbing, they've got a fix for you. My guest is a household name among football fans in America, former vice president of officiating for the National Football League, a former NFL official. You see him on the NFL on Fox, the rules analyst. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Mike Pereira. Mike, how are you? Grant, I am uh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm busy, which is great. Um, you know, I love football, and I'm still heavily involved, which is great. So I'm, I'm doing really well. You know, I'm looking at these big contracts that NFL analysts are getting, and you know what? Your title is an NFL analyst. You're a NFL rules analyst. So, Mike, I mean, what the hell? I think you should be next. I said I would go to ESPN for half of what Troy Aikman is going to make. I'd be happy to do it. Give me $45 million over five years, and I'll be happy to go. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the way it sounded. I may be the only one left at Fox. I'm, I'm yeah. working I'm working on, you know, my uh, knowledge of cover two and all this kind of stuff and wheel routes. So, you know, they, they may need a color analyst. I might have to move from rules to a color analyst. So in all, ser- a, in all seriousness, though, you spent a lot of time in the booth with Joe and Troy. So regardless of what happens and who are going to be the new guys, that's that's a lot different for you. I know you built up quite a friendship with those guys. It's really going to be hard for me. Um, you, you know, I... You know, when when you officiate, it's very interesting. When you officiate, you're you're basically anti those commentators because they haven't officiated. They don't know how difficult it is, and and they so they're so critical, and so you kind of resent them. And then, you know, when I went over to the other side, which is the administrative side, and I recognized that those in the media really want to be right, but they don't have the basis of knowledge. And I I put forth that effort to educate them, including 
you know, the network uh, talent. And that's when I first got to know Joe and Troy. And then, of course, when I went to Fox, then, you know, I became involved with them very closely. And, and you know, I I don't know about Joe, um, but if Troy goes, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to miss him because, you know what, they work so damn hard. I mean, they do work hard with me trying to have knowledge of the rules. Um, and I, I think they really improved. And more so than that, I think the player official kind of that, um, you know, normal feeling that you have between the two, you know, you're not big fans of each other. I think that's dissolved. And, and Troy and I have become good friends and Joe also. And so I, it's going to be very different to me depending on what happens. And, I mean, hey, listen, people watch games because of the teams that are playing, um, you know, but, you know, when friendships get involved and they leave, it's going to be it's going to yeah. be difficult. Mike, I really want to talk to you about uh, the issues that are facing this country as it relates to officiating, particularly on the youth level. But I want to talk to you about one particular play in the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, had Cincinnati won, we know what the outcry would have been. That call that was not made in the start of the third quarter, Higgins with the face mask grab on Ramsey. That's not reviewable. Should it be? Should there be a situation, Mike, in the National Football League, particularly in a game of that magnitude where a play like that can be reviewed? Well, I think you're moving more to that direction. I mean, because they have been more involved in certain plays that involve lines, grounds, and planes, even if it's not a reviewable situation. You know, they're, they, they've used what they call expedited reviews and, um, and video assistance. So I think they've taken a step in that direction. I I kind of get to the point where I've become very concerned with replay calling judgment fouls. And 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 that's clearly a foul. And it was missed. And and you know, the more disappointing to me was the poor positioning of the officials that made the call. Mm. I mean, they just weren't in a good position to make that call. And it's a transition to a new set of mechanics, you know, that 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 really put them in that position. So that disappointed me. But, you know, I, listen, I'm going to be working with the USFL and we're going to do things out of a replay center in Los Angeles that will allow us to correct incorrect calls that are made. So call being made for personal foul, whether it's roughing the passer or whether it's a face mask or, you know, or whether it's a hit on a defenseless player, our replay center in Los Angeles is going to be able to say, We've seen the shots. That's not a foul. Let's pick up the flag. I think that's step one. But when you get involved in trying to make calls on the field from replay, I, I get concerned about a couple of things. Number one, the judgment area. And number two, the time. I mean, I, listen, you know, I, replay has gotten so involved in the game that and I, I'm not a big fan of all the stops. And so if we add more stops to look at more things, mm. Um, I, I think that's headed down a slippery slope. But that being said, I think the first steps have been taken with that, with the video assistance and the expedited replay. But whether or not it will get the calling fouls, I mean, look at the disaster a couple of years ago when replay got involved in calling defensive pass interference. Sure. I mean, that was a disaster. And uh, that's the first rule I've seen fail after the first five minutes of the first preseason game, um, that's, <laughs> right. how, that's how bad it was. And so you, you just have to be very careful when you go down that uh, road. So, Mike, what you're saying as it pertains to the USFL, the NFL will be 
uh, looking at that and maybe implementing things for their game based on what works and what doesn't work with the USFL? You know, to me, the, the spring leagues, they're the old uh, NFL Europe. You know, and back in my day in NFL Europe, you know, we, we experimented with different rules there. And, uh, and the same thing's happening with the USFL and with the XFL when they start in February. I mean, we're both working in conjunction with the uh, officiating departments. And, and you know, they, they're, they're wise. They look at everything. And as a matter of fact, in our own, in our own uh, USFL clinic coming up in March in uh, Birmingham, I mean, the NFL is going to be there. Their coaches, their officiating coaches are going to be there. Their head of officiating is going to be there. I mean, we're all working together to try to, to find a better and safer game. And, and so if they look at ours, you know, Grant, I, I call it the sky judge. I love the sky judge. I love that term. It fits perfectly into officiating a line judge, a down judge, a field judge, a back judge, a side judge, and a, and a, and a sky judge. It's perfect. And I think that they'll look at taking that steps as steps as we go forward and they'll use what they see in the uh, USFL and the XFL. Mike, I did a podcast uh, about a month or so ago uh, on officiating, not necessarily on the professional level, but even on the college level, our high school level, our youth sports, and the shortage of officials and the problems. You and I have talked about this in the past, and I think I probably know the answer to this question, but what, from your viewpoint, what is the biggest reason for the shortage of officials in this country? You know, Grant, it's kind of interesting because there's not necessarily a shortage of officials in terms of how many people sign up to officiate. The real problem is they quit. They quit after a year or they quit after two years. And and it's the old sportsmanship issue. And, and it starts at the very lowest level because just think of this. When somebody somebody decides they want to, like, try something different and they want to put their butts on the line, they want to get out there in the field and they want to officiate a game no matter what sport it is, you go in at the entry level and you, you know, you've got to get your feet wet. And where do they put you? They put you in youth sports. You know, you go into youth football, youth basketball, whatever. And if you look at surveys of people that leave officiating after a year or two, it's always the sportsmanship issue. And, and then you isolate, you isolate what group is it that most is mostly responsible. And the answer is always the same. It's the parents. And, and, and that's the sad thing that in this, in the, in the youngest of level that youth football or youth basketball or whatever has got to be so significant with travel teams and all the money that's being spent. And, you know, the hopes when somebody's 10 years old that it's going to turn into a scholarship to Notre Dame. I mean, the pressures now on the lower level are huge and, you know, they take it out on the officials and the officials are at their, least competent level because they're just starting and yet they get the most uh you know the most people yelling at them and and you know we all know it's going beyond yelling and it's almost become physical or it has become physical in certain situations so i mean that that's the number one issue look they don't get paid enough i mean you're not doing this for a living i mean you're doing it you're really doing it, quite frankly, because you're a you're an athlete and you're a sports fan and you want you want to work with kids and and all the intentions are really good, but it sours because of the mistreatment and the mistreatment. 
you know, go, it's, it's all the way up the ladder, all the way into the NFL, but it has the greatest effect on the sure. lower levels and the shortage grant. And, and, you know, just back here in Sacramento, I mean, golly, we're doing high school football games with four officials when at times we, in the, in the better days we had six and, you know, games are being played on Thursday and Saturday. And it's not necessarily the number of kids. It's just the fact that there's not enough people to officiate the game and, and um, I, I, listen, I, I, I like to fight this all the time and try to come up with new initiatives to get young people involved. And that's where the future is. It's the young people. The average age of an amateur official is all the way up to 54 years old. Wow. And, 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 that's, and that's increased for 11 years in a row. The average age has increased for 11 years in a row. And the number of officials applying actually and getting out, that, that number of people getting out after one year, that's also increased for 11 years in a row. So we're, we're on a diabolical course here to where we, we just may not have enough officials period to officiate the games. And, um, it's the kids that will suffer. And, and, um, it, it's just, I don't know how we change it. I mean, I just don't know how we change it. And we have to keep, I keep telling people here in Sacramento, we got to try. Let's get the high school football coaches. How about those kids that have been playing football through their senior year and they're not going to go on to junior college or a four-year school. Their on-field career is basically over, but they've been playing yeah. it for a long time. Can we convince them to stay involved with the game and make some money and, you know, stay involved with the game that they love? Can we, we just have to keep trying because I'll tell you, it's – we're we're in we're in really in a shaky path here, Mike. How come there isn't a zero tolerance policy across this country as it pertains to people in the stands yelling at officials? You yell at an official, you have to leave the venue. I don't understand why that is so difficult. Why can't we have that? Well, it shouldn't be difficult, and it would need to be done. I mean, you have these positive coaching alliances that are out there that we wanted to put officiating into, and they were interested in doing that, but it doesn't, that's not going to solve the issue. And you're right. I mean, it has to be organizations that stand up to say, I mean, can you believe in Little League Baseball that we have people yelling at, uh, you know, parents yelling at umpires, and you know what that signals to their son or daughter that's playing? It signals that it's okay to yell at, Great point. That, at the at the umpire. Great and, point. You know, I, I don't understand how we just we just can't get into their psyche and say, "Do you know what you're doing? Do you realize how you're acting?" But you know, hey, listen, zero, you know, tolerance would be terrific. Now, who enforces that? I don't know. When the parents pay their fee, you know, I, I've said here in Sacramento, the thing: if you if your kid wants to play. I don't care what sport it is. If your kid wants to play, that's fine. We'd love to have your kid play. But here's the deal for you as parents. You got to go to a class. You got to go to an officiating class that's a one-hour class or a one-hour-and-a-half class. And you have to be uh, – you have to learn the basics of the rules. That's part one. Part two, you must officiate. You <laughs> must actually go onto the field and officiate a minimum of two games. <laughs> and, and and maybe right. that will enlighten people. Yep. You know, maybe that will enlighten them to the difficulty of the task. Um, that's one thing. And maybe they'll then lay off yelling at the officials because they'll appreciate it more. And number two is, hey, maybe some mom or dad gets on the court or gets on the ladder in volleyball or 
you know, gets on the pitch in soccer or gets on the field in football and they go, wow, this is kind of cool. This mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Maybe after my son quits playing, I think I'll become an official. So it could have some dramatic effects, but I, I think that, you know, the, the, the old adage in with those of us that, you know, that have to deal with this, and it's very simple. It's those that scream, those that scream the loudest know the least. Mm. Yep, and very so true. We have to we have to attack the people that know the least and figure out how to do so. And if we can, if we can give them a striped shirt and a whistle and a yellow flag and say, "Okay, get out there and officiate this game," I think the results would oh, be rather dramatic. I agree. I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you, but back in the early '90s, when Dick Motta was coaching the Kings at practice, one day he walks over to me and goes, "I need you to officiate the scrimmage." I'm like. Dick, I, I'm not going to officiate the scrimmage. He throws me his whistle. He goes, I need you to officiate the scrimmage. And Spud Webb, who I'm to this day is a dear friend of mine, and we were very close. Spud was driving the lane, and I didn't call a foul. And I swear I am not exaggerating. Mike, Spud, who's the most competitive guy in the world, did not talk to me for three weeks. So I got a, I got a little taste of what that was like. And I was like, oh, my God. It really, it really did change my appreciation for officials after that i'll tell you that oh man yeah yeah uh battlefields to ball fields which you started several years ago and i was fortunate enough to be in in sacramento and be at your first ever golf tournament and i I love the idea of that the support (laughs) that you had uh was great uh how has that turned out for you you know it's it's great it's just another one of those little niche things about you know what somebody can do what an individual can do when i started this thing about five years ago had to do with both the shortage of officials and then as important, the shortage of the, of the things to do for veterans that are returning and getting them back into their communities. And so we put this program together and we basically scholarship veterans and now active to become uh, officials in their communities. We pay for all the costs it takes to become an official. Sometimes it's not very much. I yep. mean, you want to, you want to be in a, uh, a referee or an official in track and field, I'll buy a stopwatch and a shirt. We're good to go. But, <laughs> right. but all of you, but you want to be a baseball umpire. Gee, now I got metal plated shoes to go with regular shoes and all the different equipment. But, you know, we pay for everything for three years for these veterans and our service members to, to get into officiating, to get into their community. And for those that are still active, we included active because someday they're going to be out. I mean, someday they, they they may be at some base somewhere in San Diego, California, and if they're working, if they're officiating there, when they leave and go home, they'll have this experience to get involved with them when they go home. So it's been grant terrific. We have scholarship now over 500 wow. um, people um, around the country. I mean, I think we're in 38. I've uh, the other day because I looked and the number of states that legalize gambling equates to the number of states that we have battlefields to ball fields represented. Um, I don't know how that turns out to be that number. It certainly doesn't mean anything, but we're in 38 states around the, That's amazing. the country. And, and I looked today, I just went online today and, and it was fascinating to go online and look that we had four people apply for scholarships just yesterday. And one is for softball, two were in football and the and the fourth was in volleyball and you know they talk in their application about why they want to do this and a lot of them you know veterans it's like 
you know, my son played, I coached my son. He's now moving on. I want to stay on with the sport. I want to stay involved with kids. And it's, it's terrific stuff. And, and it's just like one example of what those of us in the industry can do to help our industry and also our veterans. And so thank you for asking. And if anybody ever wants to hear more about it, they just have to go online to battlefields. Two ball fields, the number two battlefields, two ball fields.org. And, um, gosh, if any of your listeners are veterans and want to think about it, I mean, come on, our vets, we know about, I mean, the reason I love getting in vets, vets involved, courage. We know they have courage. We know they have teamwork. They know they're always motivated by a mission. Mm. We know that they know how to communicate. They have all those traits that I think make a good official. And, that fact that they have courage means that, you know, has, has, has stuck out for me. So if you're out there and want to officiate, go online, you know, you'll get all the instructions on how to apply. And, and, uh, and if you're even want to just learn more about the uh, battlefields, the ball fields, just go online. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There's some great video features on there. Mike, can you believe where your life has gone and your career and what you're doing now. I mean, seriously, I mean, do you pinch yourself? Can you freaking believe your life now? Grant, I mean, I think about the fact that in 1995, um, I was basically selling screen printed t-shirts out of, uh, out of a little storeroom on power Inn and elder Creek here in Sacramento. And I was officiating, <laughs> And I was officiating in the Western Athletic Conference. And and then in 1996, um, after applying to the NFL for a couple of years, um, I, I finally got in. And um, to be honest with you, um, in 1996, I was 46 years old, and I didn't have a penny in a savings account. Wow. Um, I had some cancer issues when I was younger and kind of, kind of dropped out of, not society, but I just... I, I entered the world of I don't give a crap, you know, and and um, and I really wasn't successful in anything. And then along came 1996 when the NFL hired me, and when they hired me, the Western Athletic Conference at the same time said, you know, well, will you be our head of officiating while you're officiating in the NFL? And I said I would. And then in 1998, the league said, hey, can you come in and be one of the supervisors in the NFL, and then in, in 2001, they appointed me the head of officiating for the NFL, and in 2009, I retired and went to work for Fox, and now 12 years later, I have been on the media side of this. I had no idea this was going to happen. I had not even necessarily a desire for it, um, and yet this whole sports officiating world opened up to me and just so how bizarre it is you know here I was the head of officiating for the NFL here I am the you know the NFL or the football rules analyst for Fox and I never played a down of the game I never (laughs) played one down of football right never did I was a baseball player I was a baseball player but you know my dad did some officiating and in college I needed a few extra bucks and so you know, that's when I decided to give it a try back in 1970. Wow. And here we are 52 years later, right? 2022. And I'm still involved with this game one way or another. It's just, um, 
Yep. You know, it's just kind of a lesson. You know, at age 46, for me, my world turned and my passion turned into my vocation. Mm-hmm. And um, I consider myself one of the luckiest people on earth, that's for sure. I would concur with that. I mean, you went from your story being in the booth for Fox's coverage when they do have the Super Bowl on the rotation. You're in the booth with with over 100 million people yeah, watching, Mike. I mean, think about that for a minute. I know. Don't remind me that, really. I, don't, don't remind me I, I sit there, and then when I go on, I just think to myself, well, there's, I don't, there's no camera on me at the moment. I mean, I don't know. What am I speaking to, 10 people? If you, if you were to say to me right before, if Troy turned to me and said, now, just remember, there's 138 million people that are going to hear what you say. I, I'd probably jump out of the damn booth, you know, but uh, it, 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 it is unreal. Yeah. You know what, Mike? It's funny you say that because I always tell people this. When you're on camera or when I was doing my radio show, you know, you're in a room all by yourself or you're in a booth with only a few people. And really, while you are talking, whether you're in the studio at the Fox studio in L.A., you really have no comprehension of how many people are watching you. You almost feel like you're almost by yourself with just a few people and it's a good thing yeah. it's a good thing that we don't think about how many people may be watching us i, I know right. people people say well you're you don't ever act nervous and i said well i'm really not because i don't i kind of don't i mean uh, just talking to a camera i mean right. i don't i don't have any concept <laughs> if you put me at the 50 yard line and turned on a microphone and there were eighty thousand people in the stadium i probably pulled but it is kind of a right. kind of an unrealistic feeling where you don't think about those uh you don't think about those 130 million people until you make a mistake. Then you think about those 138 million people. Well, Mike, good things happen to good people, and that's you. And I'm so happy for all of your success. It's so great catching up with you uh, and talking about officiating and everything else. And I hope we can do it again down the road. Grant, as far as I'm concerned, you always have open access to me. So if you ever need anything or any explanation about something, now that I don't work for the NFL anymore, I can be perfectly honest when, <laughs> when, right. I, I like, when I say I like or don't like a call. So anytime, Grant. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Always great to talk to Mike Pereira from the NFL on Fox. Really appreciate him coming on today's podcast. It's time for And today's rant is brought to you by the Home Theater Company. For your audio, video, and home theater needs, just go online, hometheatercompany.com. Let me get this straight. The Brooklyn Nets go into Philadelphia last night, take on the Sixers. Ben Simmons, who did not play but was on the floor during pregame, gets booed off the floor, as you would expect. The F Ben Simmons chance pretty much all night. 
Then the Sixers get embarrassed. They get blown out at home. Durant and Irving go off. And, of course, since it was a big game, James Harden did what he normally does in big games and fold and melt. Harden was 3 of 17. Think about that for a minute. 3 of 17, all three of his baskets were from downtown. Did not make a shot from two-point land. Huge game. Really, call it what it is. I mean, you know, I know it's the regular season, but it's a big game. All right? It was the biggest trade in the NBA this year, and the Sixers at home got embarrassed. Plain and simple. Can't have it. Harden in a big game, once again, disappears and was terrible. And say what you want about Brooklyn and their awful year, but if Durant and Irving are healthy and Ben Simmons somehow, some way can get his head on straight, and that, of course, is a big unknown, but if he can get on the court and do what he does best, and that takes the, you know, really the other team's best score out of the game, he can neutralize them. All of a sudden, Brooklyn, they may be the team to beat in the East. Don't rule them out just yet. Do not rule them out just yet. And that's my rant for today. Again, my thanks to Mike Pereira from the NFL on Fox. Have yourself a great weekend, everybody. And always really appreciate you listening to me right here, if you don't like that, with Grant Napier. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.